You're listening to the Salt Churches Podcast. Here you can listen to messages, inspiration, and lessons learned about planting microchurches all across the nation. Thank you for tuning in. To find more information, you can visit us at www.saltchurches.com. This podcast is brought to you today by Salt Church's founder, Parker Green. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Salt Church's podcast. We are excited to again talk about discipleship. This is another phase of discipleship. happens right after calling people into it. Um, and this is the one that kind of fills all the gaps. It kind of covers just about everything that we do in discipleship and the other parts we'll be talking about, which is multiplication and maturity um, later on. um, We'll do that as well. But this is uh, follow me. This is a shared life. So when you're actually sharing your life with someone when it comes to discipleship, and I think one of the biggest things that people really run into when it comes to discipleship is it can become too programmatic. People Think that if you have a sheet of paper or if you have a six-month program or whatever, that you're going through discipleship. Um, But when I take a look at Jesus and really see what he did over his three years of ministry on earth, um, when it comes to his disciples especially, he took them everywhere he went. And the reality was that they shared their life with him. And I don't know how often they went home or how often they were back and forth because they were in such a small area. Bible doesn't really tell us much about that. But the reality is that much of Jesus' life was open and exposed to these three guys. So when he would teach, he would teach from a place of authority because they saw his life on a daily basis. So think of like one example. When Jesus goes up to the mountain to pray it, who knows when, maybe four in the morning, it's before the sun comes up. As soon as he comes back down the hill, the disciples ask him, teach us to pray. And it's not because he was teaching about prayer from a pulpit. It's because they saw him every morning getting up before the sun and praying and communing with his heavenly father. And they said, we want a piece of that too, because obviously the strength that you have, the power that you have, the will to do what you're doing uh, is coming from that time spent. So teach us how to do it as well. And then that's where we get the uh, apostles prayer for from or or the you know the kingdom of heaven is at hand the whole like let's pray together and he gives us a good structure actually to uh, to pray to God and that's a good start but he mostly ends up talking about persistence which is exciting but the cool part about it is is that they saw uh, the life of Jesus firsthand so I've got Joe here with me again and we're going to talk about this one together but um I'd love to hear from you, Joe. Like, tell me some experiences in your life and your experiences with salt when it comes to discipleship and like more about like the sharing life together, like follow me as I follow Jesus. What does that look like for you right now in your context? And what does it look like before? Yeah. So I got excited. So I'm going to take a second <laughs> I'm going to put this in there for sure. This part. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> The first thing, honestly, that comes to mind is, one, that I say honestly a lot. Two, (laughs) is that Parker and Jesse do such a great job of literally always just leaving their home open. And so when you're just over there, you see 
life happening. It's not like, a, okay, um, Joe. Not always pretty. Pause. We're going to have a fight here. Watch closely and see how it's done. But it's just like the more that you're over, the more that you get to see just what life looks like. And and I think that before there was such a push uh, when we talk about discipleship of like, okay, it's not a mentorship. Uh, it's not this program thing. So like, don't think of it that way. But when you actually are following Jesus with your entire life, then you're you're getting to see someone that is also like, okay, they're pursuing Jesus. They're trying to live life with Jesus. How does that look like when they're in relationship right. with someone else? How do they love their wife? How do they love their kids? And and that's those are things that I think that we can push away and say, no, 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 no. Like, mentorship this is not mentorship so i'm not trying to look for that i'm just looking for the times that parker talks about jesus but in all reality these are all connected because it's talking about doing a complete and whole life with jesus so you are you are really watching like all these things and and you need to be willing to bring people into the messiness of your life right yeah that's true what would you say to people like about discipleship in like our context, like a microchurch context, what changes about the dynamic when it comes to like this or like a regular sit in rows kind of like legacy church where you go in, you hear a message, you do the worship stuff, which is nothing. We're not saying anything's wrong with that. Everyone chill out. Um, our church is just better. Um, so, uh, <laughs> so how would you see that in like a, in like a microchurch context? What does discipleship look like? It it changes the way that it's not just someone. So like when when we're we're having a gathering on a Sunday or whatever day, someone might be leading the discussion. But then even it, it's not just okay. Well, this happened Sunday night and this was a good word. But you see like this aftershock that occurs because people are now just they're they're wrestling with questions and and a, even a the one who's discipling these disciplees, whatever we want to call it. You kind of have this like ability to be like, hey, what were you? What, what do you think about like what was being said here, or like this activation we talked about? Like, how is this like? How have you stepped into it? And and in, in all honesty, it's not because we're human. There comes this like there will always come this point of being like, uh, like either I didn't do it or like I'm having trouble doing it, and boom, like that is where I think this shared life occurs. It's because now you are in the messiness of being like. What's what's keeping you from doing it? Or like, hey, like, why don't we step into it together? Right. And and you see this transition of not just being like a pastor saying that's standing at the pulpit again, nothing wrong with that, saying like, okay, go do this, and this is what we're about. And you actually like, there's accountability, and not an accountability of saying like you aren't good enough or like you're just a bad person, but an accountability of actually like being becoming like family. Right. And so you, you're, you're hold to not a higher standard, but a higher standard of, of just being like, Hey, like there's more for, for you to experience. And so like, I'm going to push you into this because I believe in you. And the more that you begin to do that, yeah. the more the, the, that person will feel like, Oh, they're, they're, they're pushing me because they love me. They're not pushing me because they're trying to shame me because they think I'm not enough. And that like, honestly, at a micro church level, that is the coolest I think thing that begins to happen is you begin to have this army of people that become truly like your family and it becomes yeah. a lot easier to yeah it's not just awkward like 
now it's all quiet and you have to go shake hands with people and it's like, oh, hi, I'm Joe. Nice to meet you. Oh, I'm Parker. But it's just like, dude, like I went out like with this like girl Friday night and like just asking quite like that sounds yeah. silly, but like asking questions of just like being like, yeah, I think it went well, but I don't know. Or or just getting to the nitty gritty of just being like, like, I don't know what we're going to do here. Yeah. Like uh, I, I screwed up with my wife or like. I'm I've been lying to my parents about this or that like yeah what do I do and you yeah that's so true you don't you, you can't you could you don't fake it anymore because you actually are also you're friends with these people it's not just yeah leaders and teachers it's like your brothers and sisters or your fathers and mothers yeah I think when you can peel back the religion from it or more like scorched earth like burn the religion off of it where there's like there there's always going to be masks and performance with people but i think for me what and i hated the way we were doing church for like 6 months probably cuz i didn't like the vulnerability i didn't like how messy it was i didn't like how it was unrushed i wanted everything perfectly organized and like in order <laughs> and i wanted our church to double in 2 seconds but we knew that had its limits and so for me, when it comes to like microchurch, like discipleship, it's like you really do end up being involved in people's lives and the way of Jesus ends up affecting and touching and filling more pieces of their lives. And you can always, and we'll talk about this now, but like you can always, you always get to a point where there's somebody's blocking that yeah. section of their life from Jesus. And that's where I think deliverance tends to happen. It's like, there's either like a spirit attached to that thing or some old family problem that they haven't let go of or a lot of times unforgiveness or bitterness or frustration with church leadership or a church in general. And by the way, you can't be bitter at a church. You're bitter with a person. Just let's make that really, really clear. There's always somebody Connected that set that. you off. You can't just say, oh, I'm mad at the church. I don't like how the church functions. Like, no, you're pissed at somebody along the way. And it'd probably be best for you to find out who that is. But I think one of the things that we tend to find in our circle and in our model is like you can feel you start to feel people and you know how people are normally operating. And then after about six months, just like any relationship, like you start to see who the real person yeah. is and like all that stuff comes off because you only have the energy for so long to like hold up who you are around someone for a while. And it like happens in every marriage, too. It's like all of a sudden you get to a point where like, wait a second, that's disgusting wait, like, why don't you clean that up? Or like, wait, well, why are you such a jerk when it comes to this? And so I think it's, you know, like that when you commit to a group of people, you commit to changing together. And then you find all the little demons that are like hiding and lurking in people's lives. And you got to put hands on them sometimes and cast them out. And yeah. sometimes you got to walk them through it. And I think it's a really cool experience because if you're around people enough that that really comes up. Well, it's funny too, because I even the I remember when we've talked about deliverance before, and like you hear the word, and it's still, it was like this, like oh, this is a big word, and so it's like, like a ghost story, yeah, it's spooky, yeah, and or even like it's this thing of like oh, I need to prophetically like figure out what this thing is, but and that's the thing, guys, like it, this these things come out just because like what Parker's saying is like you just start doing life together. And it's it's these like little blockage, these walls that like people like build up that you begin to see, not because like there's this ultra spiritual like thing that you do. Where it's like, oh, prophetically, I saw that. And so I'm going to speak into it. But no, it's because you actually 
have committed to just being with this person day in and day out. And so you start seeing these things and now you get to speak truth and life into them. And either it's met head on with resistance or anger or frustration or disbelief. And, and you, you get to actually like deliver them and, and not have it be this big ooh, ah, ghost story, but instead like they just get to experience freedom. Hmm. Yeah, that's good. I'd agree with that. Jesus is a lot simpler than I think we yeah. made him to be. <laughs> yeah. Well, I feel like, I mean, religion obviously complicates things, but so do relationships. So I think like Jesus as a person was pretty uncomplicated but because we're so complex as human beings it's like dear lord there's so much going on at one time it's like approaching jesus and approaching relationship with each other and with him can can run into i guess a mess that's true and but it's funny because i i think that like i'm curious to see because all all we've encountered especially at salt orange is a lot of people that have grown up in the church Mm -hmm. and so i'm curious to see what it will look like from someone who's not experience church at all so it's like a lot of the stuff that we are will have that resistance or that deliverance from is things that they've been hurt or like confused or like the messiness of just them growing up in church and again like that's not wrong i don't i think that churches are doing great and powerful things but there's things in the when we can become followers of more so the law and trying to do the right things we miss the part of, of seeing the person just as like the heart of yeah. it. And and so I'm curious to see what what someone that comes in with no context, what that will look like. Because yeah. it's like, I think when I say simple, it's just like, it doesn't have to be ultra religious. Like it's having a meal together. When we, when we share life, sharing life doesn't have to be ultra Christian worship night every week this week or do like Bible studies. Like that's not shared life. Shared life is, is really simply eat together, break bread together, go surf together, go like have a, have bonfires, like have game nights. Like it's, it really is wanting to be around one another. Right. That's one thing I think to say too, is that it's not going to just be easy. Like you have to choose it from at the beginning, like, cause you don't know the person always right at at the forefront and, and thinking about Jesse and Parker, even moving out here, though we are in discipleship, we weren't the best of friends. So it's like, it's still easy to to choose other people or feel like you feel closer to connect with, but it's like, no, I want to choose this. I want to be intentional with this. Yeah, that's good. I because that's I believe, important. yeah, I believe in what, what we're doing here. So what would you say like counting the cost has to do with following Jesus in this portion, especially like mm-hmm. doing your life with Jesus? What are some of the personal costs that you've paid? And then what are some of, what do you think counting the cost looks like for like, your average Joe, that's funny. Yeah. I hate that phrase. You're like, I'm not average. It's <laughs> not me. I actually, and I, I think it so connects even with the beginning, is that the call is this exciting, it's like any relationship. There's this, I don't want to say it this way, but I'm going to, is the honeymoon phase of being like, I love this. Or like the, the call is this like, yes, like this is what I want. Like, yeah, let's go totally. after it. But when you get into the mundane of just life on life, like it can kind of be boring. It can you can easily start getting annoyed. It's the same thing that Parker just said. Is just you start you can't live in this mask. Like there's going to be annoyances, things that you see, things that you get frustrated by, things that don't feel good always. But growth is refining, and so you have to go through fire 
you have to go through tension to experience growth in different Conflict, capacities. Yeah. yeah. And so I, I think that counting the cost is more so of like, again, asking the question of like, well, what do you want? If you're wanting to to just stay like where you're at and just stay comfortable and, and not like continue to move on ahead and experience more, then you're right. Then like this person pushing into you and, and kind of like asking more from you and and even just being together and choosing, sacrificing other things for the person you're in discipleship with is going to be annoying and stupid and you're going to be frustrated by it. But when you count the cost and you you understand like, look at I'm sacrificing these things because there, I believe, I truly believe there is a greater abundance that is found in Jesus. I might not be able to see it right now. I might not be able to to fully like grasp it, but I believe it. And so in faith, I'm going to continue to like push on ahead, believing that there is, there is more yeah. that God has for me. I think, I mean, I don't know, being like, being a dad is, it definitely gives you an advantage when it comes to thinking about life is like, follow me. I think when Jesus said that to his disciples, it feels to me, and when I feel like he said it to me personally, it felt a lot to me like, I want to share this thing with you, this abundant life, but it's going to cost you, you essentially like you comma you it's going to cost you it's going to cost you and every single day nailing yourself and your flesh and your stupidities i mean stupid things as in like bad habits and continual habitual sins or even things that aren't sins like paul the apostle says laying aside every weight that holds you back like things that would waste your time like binging netflix series or like or relationships that are toxic and in some cases, and in some contexts, like really creating a huge conflict with your blood family. And I've seen it multiple times. And Jess and I have seen it ourselves in, in following this path. It does create um, sparks. And Jesus says, I didn't come to bring peace. You thought I came to bring peace. I came to bring a sword. And w- the crazy part about that is, is sometimes the love that you have for Jesus and the love that you have for the body of believers will separate you from relationships that maybe don't understand that love or don't understand the reality that you're living in now or the kingdom because they're frustrated by it, that you've made that a priority in your life. Now, I'm not saying like, it's like you pull the eject cord on old mom and dad and like you don't honor them anymore. I think that misses the point. You love your family and be at peace with all men as much as you are possibly able, even to the point where you know, sometimes you may get abused for your faith, but over the years, if your family sees you abused for your faith and you keep turning up and loving them, at some point they're going to have a crisis and turn around and say, what is this life that you're living? Tell me more about it because I'm at a crossroads or I'm at a dead end. So I would say for me as like a dad, follow me is like Jesus saying to me, like, look, I know you haven't got this all figured out, but I'm the master of life. And we, we kind of talk about it like this, like, If you're going to be an apprentice to someone, you want them to be really good at the art or the craft that you're following. If it's acting, if it's blacksmithing, if it's finance, if it's whatever it is, whoever you're working under or apprenticing yourself to. And Jesus is the master of life. So discipleship, in essence, we believe is apprenticing yourself to Jesus as to how to live your life. And we think the primary way that people are discipled is in relationship, because think of all the wounds in your life and all the best moments and the best things and the most encouraging things in your life. 
every single one of those moments is related to or the direct result of a relationship mm. with a person or the relationship that you think you had with God, whatever that looked like, or with a group of people. So Jesus really, when he t- teaches, he doesn't talk about church very much. He talks, he maybe mentions it once in the New Testament. And what he talks about most is how we relate to other people. And the second thing he talks about, the second most is money. (laughs) So the two things in our life that cause by far the most conflict, frustration, angst, anxiety, and the most bliss, the most enjoyableness, the most joy, those things Jesus talks about the most. And we want to apprentice ourselves to him in those things. And we think the only way to do that is through um, discipleship relationships and doing life together on a consistent basis. And counting the cost isn't a metaphor and it's not an ethereal thing where you can sit down in a journal and say, I'm going to count this cost and this is what it's going to cost me. It's like you say, it's going to cost me money. Great. Start tithing and start generously giving to people. That's counting the cost. It's like, oh, I want community and I want a purpose in my life. Join a group of people that have purpose, that have mission, and then you'll have that community. You have to pay first and then you get the play later. Like, it's so funny with groups of people and churches. It's like uh, the, the big millennial word is community, community, community. But you can't have community without a cost. You have to be able to pay as much as the other person is paying in sweat, in tears, in actual financial resources, in, in, in conflict, in costing yourself maybe other relationships that you're paying for in this community because you're spending so much time trying to work out these relationships and follow Jesus together. So I think for us, when it comes, when Jesus says, follow me, he's, we're following him into an abundant, unbelievable kingdom. And he's showing us how to live life in that space. I think too, last thing I want to say is that yeah. when he says, follow me, it's so easy to be like, oh, I have this like understanding to this degree and I'm going to like follow him with that like foundation I've built. But really like what he's saying, like when even that idea of counting the cost, it's like whatever you think, you know, you need to drop it like <laughs> yeah, at the door so completely. <laughs> oh my gosh. yeah. And yeah. be like, I, I don't know what is the path to success. I don't know what the path is to to experience wealth or or all these things that like the world says is good. And and when you're 28, 29, 30 years old and you've lived this life and you think you have it figured out, but now you're just beginning to encounter a true relationship and intimacy with Jesus. Like I can't imagine like what it would mean to have to drop everything you've discovered to say like, God, show me the way, like I will start over with you because I actually trust you. And that, that is part of the shared life is that you have to be willing to learn. You have to be, be teachable. Because if you aren't, then it's going to be constantly met with resistance because you just want to continue to pride yourself or believe that you you know the way. Yeah. It's that old repentance. Yeah. Chestnut. Yep, yep. And it's like a daily gift sometimes too, repentance. But like you can't like, I think a lot of American Christians see Jesus as a wonderful addition to their life. Yeah. Who's going to help them achieve their dreams. Yeah. But Jesus has a totally different set of terms and conditions because he's the king. So if you're going to enter the kingdom, you have to enter on the king's terms. And his terms are awesome. They level the playing field. You're washed in the blood. 
and you're forgiven of all your sins and a debt that you couldn't pay and you get to live this resurrection life, but you can't do that your own way. That doesn't even make sense. You can't earn that. So, and it kills your pride because that means that really good people, people that you consider good people have zero advantage over the worst person that you could possibly imagine. And that's a hard pill to swallow, but that's kind of how the gospel works. He who repents and humbles themselves before God (laughs) has the right answer. Fear of God is the beginning of all wisdom. So we'll end this here. Next week, we're going to be talking about multiplication um, and what multiplication actually looks like and how to make that happen in a microchurch context mostly, um, but with discipleship in general. So thanks so much for listening. Appreciate your time. I hope you can check us out on saltchurches.com and want to let you guys know that in a couple of weeks, Jess and I are going to have a couple of workbooks coming out. Jesse is going to be releasing one about uh, spiritual gifts and how to find your spiritual gifts. It'll be great for groups, great for individuals. Um, And I'll be releasing a first 12 weeks or kind of like a starter pack for um, discipleship, learning spiritual disciplines, and what your identity in Christ really looks like. So you can practice spiritual disciplines to get closer to Jesus, not just for the sake of disciplining yourself, which is stupidity and really difficult, and you're just going to be mad. So we'll talk to you soon. Have a great day. Bye. Bye. Thanks for tuning in today. We hope you feel inspired, encouraged, and empowered to change the world for the name of Jesus. Make sure to tune in and listen to our other podcasts and download our app, Salt Churches, found on iTunes. We hope to see you and hear from you soon. Thanks. Have a great day.